You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. I want to preach to you a message I've entitled, The Unction. If you're with me, will you please say, Unction? There we go. It's 3 in the morning. You're driving home. You're traveling along the stretch of highway that's surrounded by trees and no one is in sight. In your peripheral vision, a light begins to glow. It's your gas light. You're somewhere on empty. The tragic part of this story, and it's happened to you, especially if you have an older car like mine, when exactly did that light come on? Has it been on for 30 miles or has it been on for just a mile? You drive a little ways. You're starting to get panicking. You're sweating. Am I going to make it home? About five miles up ahead, you see a gas station lit up. It's open 24 hours. There's a sigh of relief. Oh, I'm going to make it. I'm not going to be stranded. You pull into that gas station. It's a small gas station off the side of the road, and there's only one pump. You pull up beside that pump, and there it is. (laughs) The out-of-service sign. In your hour of need, the one pump for miles around is out of service. Unction. Unction is an old word for the Holy Spirit's anointing or empowerment. Write that down. It's the Holy Spirit's empowerment. If you are a believer, if you have recognized that you are a sinner in need of Jesus' salvation, and you recognize your sin and you repent of it, you turn from your sin and trust Jesus Christ to save you, forgive you, and give you eternal life, not only do you have this incredible relationship with Jesus, but at that moment, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, enters into your life and has a relationship with you. One of the chief reasons for his relationship is this process we call sanctification. He wants to change you. He wants to shape you and model you after God's purposes to become more like Jesus Christ. But there's another wonderful gift that the Holy Spirit does in the life of each and every believer is that he gives spiritual gifts to every believer. What is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability. Write it down. A supernatural ability given by the Holy Spirit to each believer. And I like to sum up this 
uh, the, the reasons or the goals for it are for three things. For the good of the church, for the glory of God, and our personal joy. I believe the gift that God has given you to employ in the service and use of Jesus Christ and for the church, when you get to use that gift, even in the midst of some tough circumstances and situations, it is a joy to serve the Lord Jesus. It's not burdensome. I want you to distinguish between your natural abilities and your supernatural abilities. Your natural abilities are gifts from God given from your physical birth. Please understand this, and I love good singing, but singing itself is not necessarily this supernatural ability which we consider a spiritual gift. Singing is an ability from God, but it's given when? At your physical birth. But God gives other gifts your spiritual gifts are given at your spiritual birth or when you've been born again. And that is not to say that the only gifts we use for the service of God are spiritual gifts. No, when you come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, when you serve Jesus as your Savior and God, God wants you to use and employ your natural gifts that you've been given from physical birth and your spiritual gifts that you've been given from your supernatural birth. He wants to use all of your time, your talent, and your treasure for the good of the church, the glory of God, and your personal joy. When it comes to spiritual gifts, I'm not talking about natural abilities and talents, there's generally two extremes of understanding that I want us to avoid. One extreme when it comes to spiritual gifts is something I've dubbed gift-grabbing. Gift grabbing. Gift grabbing is being so focused on spiritual gifts that we lose focus on Jesus. We exist. Christians exist. The church exists to make much of Jesus. And we can get so absorbed on our God-given abilities that we can use our gifts to make much of ourselves or to compete with other Christians. The goal of our Christian gifts are to make much of Jesus, and so we can do gift-grabbing. Well, I don't belong because I don't have so-and-so's gift, or so-and-so doesn't belong because they don't have my gift. And that's what Paul is writing to address in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But there's another extreme, another extreme, that he doesn't write to explicitly, but we can see in the text, he still calls us to avoid, and I'll discuss it in a moment. In today's Bible passage, the Apostle Paul writes to correct the gift-grabbing in the Corinthian church. The Corinthian believers had some amazing spiritual gifts, some spectacular spiritual gifts, and they were using those spiritual gifts to compete with one another and using them as a litmus test for one's spirituality. If your spiritual gift was more spectacular and visible, then you must be a more spiritual person. Not according to the Apostle Paul. 
He sets the record straight. We looked at it some last night, last week. Spiritual gifts are not intended for competition, but completion. And what that means is your spiritual gift complements the person next to you, their spiritual gift. We complete one another until we have a full picture of what the body of Christ is supposed to be doing. But there's something else in this passage that I want us to glean, and I think it's the extreme that some of us evangelicals, especially in Baptist denominations, we are guilty of. Here's the other extreme, gift avoiding. Gift avoiding. So the Corinthian church loved to use their spiritual gifts out of competition. Sadly, in some Baptist churches, with gentleness and respect, we avoid spiritual gifts like the plague. We're either afraid God's going to do something in me and through me for the good of the church, the glory of God, and our personal joy, and that's intimidating. And then there's some of you with gentleness and respect. You gift avoid. You know you have a gift. You go, man, I don't want to take the time to do that. And so I think we can look at Paul's writing here, and we can see some things that not just correct the gift grabbing, but also correct the gift avoiding. Let's just first look at verses 7 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. It says this, A manifestation or a demonstration, a show. This is something visible, something to be seen. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person, that's every believer, for the common good of the church. So can you just pause for a moment and let's wander at that? If you're a believer, if you've repented of your sins and given your life to Christ and you have a relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you, but He wants to manifest Himself through you serving Him. That's a wonderful thing. He's given you something to do to show His work on the inside is actually something visible and can make a difference in the lives of other people. A manifestation, a demonstration, a show. So He has a show that He wants to put on. And He wants to do it through you. Now look at what it says in verse 8. He's going to begin to list some of the spiritual gifts. This is not an exhaustive list, and we'll get to it in a moment. Verse 8. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, one and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person or believer as He wills. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things. I'm going to to talk to you about what the Bible says on a whole about this list. This list of spiritual gifts, there's nine things listed here. It is not an exhaustive list of all the spiritual gifts we find listed in Scripture. Other and different gifts are possible. 
Different gifts are listed in different passages of Scripture. If you have your Bible app out, or if you've got the insert in your bulletin, notice the chart that I gave you listed in Scripture. There's five other passages. And no, no passage has the same exact list. The one common gift in all of them is the gift of prophecy. But every other gift is different. The spiritual gifts listed in Scripture could be understood in three categories. Now, please understand the categories I'm about to give you. These are not biblical terms, the categories I'm about to give you. These are terms that Bible students and Bible scholars kind of help to think about spiritual gifts, and it shows us their variety. The first set is what we call the support gifts. You may just want to write this in the open space. Support gifts. These are from like Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds or pastors, and teachers. Notice this, these gifts are people. They're offices. They function as church leaders. And if you go on to read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, these support gifts were given to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. I love this. This is like my favorite verse in the whole New Testament because it tells me it's not the pastor's job to do everything in the church. What the pastor is supposed to do is to equip the saints, which are who? All of you, to do your ministry. What I've been doing over the past two weeks in the pulpit is really fulfilling Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 ministry. As a pastor and teacher, God has given me to the church to equip you to do the ministry God has for you. All right? So these are support gifts, and we're going to discuss the apostolic office later next week. The second group, or the second category, are service gifts. Service gifts. These are gifts, and we'll define them more again in the weeks to come, administration. Literally the idea of being able to navigate tough waters. Helping or serving to be able to come along someone or a group of people and help them accomplish the task. Giving. Giving. That doesn't necessarily mean, oh, you have a lot of money to give. I've seen poor people who have a very giving nature. All right? It's a capacity or ability to give above and beyond. These are service or serving gifts. And then the third group, the third category, is much of what we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses uh, 7 through 11. And it's called the sign gifts. The sign gifts. So we have the support gifts, the service gifts, and the sign gifts. The sign gifts are things such as healings. And it's important to notice this. Healings, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And why I'm emphasizing it is notice, unlike apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, these are people, right, that God has given to function in various capacities in the church. I believe these are certain instances you don't find in Scripture other than the Lord Jesus Christ, the healer or the miracle worker. Does that make sense? All right. You have t certain gifts that come upon people. Now, the big question of our day is, is this. Have the sign gifts disappeared? 
have they ceased? Are they not for today? And there's, there's two passages of Scripture I'm going to reference and read to you. And, and I'm sympathetic with the argument, but I want to give you the full picture. And it's going to take a little bit of nuance. I'm going to need you to follow me, right? Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. Just write it down. I'm doing some, some hard teaching right now. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. Just listen to this. This is the author of Hebrews. He says, this salvation, this, this gospel that we have about Jesus, had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord. He says, so the gospel of Jesus begins on the lips of who? Jesus, all right? It's actually talking about in reference to Jesus. So Jesus announced the gospel. And then it says this, and it was content, confirmed to us by those who heard him. Now, who heard Jesus teach the gospel? Come on, say it out loud. Disciples, the apostles. Remember the 12, the original? All right, they heard him. Then notice this. At the same time as the apostles or disciples are teaching the gospel, at the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to His will. Please notice this. In the apostolic ministry, when the disciples of Jesus went around the world sharing and teaching the gospel, the way that they were to show their veracity, that what they were telling was the truth, and that it came from Jesus, as as they were speaking, God was also testifying to their truth, and he did it by signs and wonders. Sometimes the apostles would heal people. Sometimes they would work miracles. And it showed some veracity, some validity, that I'm not making this up. It is the truth of God and the power of God. Please notice this. When you use discernment, it's both and. Truth and power. They're wed together. So just because you have power means you could tell a lie, right? And just because you have the truth doesn't necessarily mean you have power. The apostles could do both. Now, the question is this. Well, since the apostles has faded off the pages of Scripture in church history, does God no longer testify with signs and wonders? Do you see that? Since there's no more people like this, apostles, does God do this? That's a, that's a legitimate question, and one that I'm sympathetic to. The other Scripture you need to write down is 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. The Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, as, he, as he's preparing his young son in the faith, his disciple, his mentee, apprentice, he tells him, Timothy, everything you need for salvation, all of it is found in the Scriptures. All the Scriptures are God-breathed, they're inspired, and they're useful for correction, rebuke instruction and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be fully equipped. So, so notice this, everything you need to know to become the people of God, it's found all in this book. That's refreshing. But here's where I'm caught, and I'll, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I'm a man, I hope to be a man of this book. Where it speaks, I want to speak. Where it's silent, I want to be silent. 
At the same time, I've looked through this book, and it doesn't tell me explicitly that these signs have ceased. So my position is I'm a careful continuationist. Careful. And what I mean by that is this. I think a lot of times when we see these sign gifts used on television and YouTube and social media, they are being misused. They're not under the biblical directives of 1 Corinthians 14, which I'll tell you later. But here's what I can't say in good conscience, that God says these are not possible for today. Because notice this, the gifts come from who? God. Is anything impossible for God? Not in my book. So it's possible. That's all I want to say. But I think they have to be governed by the use of Scripture. The chart suggests a mixture. Notice the chart again. There's a mixture of prepared and spontaneous gifts. I would love to tell you I have the gift of teaching and I come completely unprepared in the pulpit and can do it. I wish it was an unprepared gift, all right? But it's a gift that's used or mixed with preparation and discipline. God gives you this gift, and some of you will have to stay and work in that gift at all times to operate it. But then there are some gifts that God may imbue and put on you for a moment, for such a moment. It might even be a gift of helping, a supernatural ability. But the part that we can say, here's what we can say when we survey the Scriptures, no matter what text you turn to and what, where on the spectrum you lie, all spiritual gifts have the same source and the same goal. The source is the Holy Spirit, and the goal is the common good of the church, the glory of God, and our personal joy. In the middle, there's a framework for a variety of gifts. And God, what we have to trust, is God sovereignly gave each one of you a gift and then placed you in a local body for service. I want you to go back up now and look at verses 4 through 6. This is some of the most beautiful piece of literature you'll ever read. He says this, he says, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. Notice the words gifts, ministries, and activities. Gifts, ministries, and activities. Although they are different words, they are referring to one and the same concept, spiritual gifts. Three different words gives us a three-dimensional understanding of what spiritual gifts are. The first word, gifts, in this passage and context is probably best understood as our word, presence. Do you like to get birthday and Christmas presents? Well, the Holy Spirit has given you a present. And this present is not a natural ability, but a supernatural ability that only can come from Him. This first verse, 1 uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, 
is saying that the source doesn't belong to you. Your gifts ultimately belong to who? The Holy Spirit. This was something given to you by Him. Look at this second word. There are different ministries. It is where we get the word deacon. It'll sometimes be translated servant. The point of the word ministries is that these are abilities for services rendered unto the Lord for the common good of the church, for the glory of God, and our personal joy. So you have a present by the Holy Spirit, and He has given you an ability to serve. And then look at this last word. He says this, and there are different activities. This is the word we get our word for energy. There are different kinds of energizing from God. The point is, all of these activities are abilities that are in real action. They affect people. The, there is no such thing as a Christian who sits and does nothing. When we add up the Holy Spirit's presence, the Lord giving you a service, the Father giving you energy, here's what we find. And write it down. The unction functions. The unction functions. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, He's functioning. He's functioning. He's presenting something. He's wanting you to serve. He's wanting you to be energized to do the work that He's given to you. So what does that mean? And I'm about to call you on it. There's no out-of-service Christian. You can't sit there and say, well, the pump's out. You can't sit there and go, some of you just walk around with this sign hanging around your neck. I'm out of service. You're lying. You're lying. Why? Because I just read in the Scriptures, you've been given a gift, you've been given a service, you've been given an energy for the common good of the church. You're right, you may be out of service, but the unction functions. You have a function in this church. The question that always comes back to this, it's not if, but where, it's not when, it's now. Where will you function? One of the most exciting parts in our adventure of following Jesus is discovering that the Holy Spirit has given you a gift of service to contribute to the common good of the church, the glory of God, and for our joy. And right now, right now, every time at this year, we're standing in an hour of need. Where will you serve? We need your gift. You have a ministry, whether you recognize it or not. You have a service. You have an activity. You, believe it or not, have the energy. You have the energy I know you've got it. God knows you've got it. The Scriptures confronted you because the unction functions. 
So let's seek opportunities to serve. Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemarest.com.